All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Film Crew CFB Pod. This is your boy Tiller, along with Gray. What's up? And Sparty Dog. What's going on, fellas? Howdy, howdy. How's it going? What's up, guys? Very nice. So it is Friday, July 8th today when you're hearing this. So we're just going to talk a little bit about the big shakeup that's been happening in the college football world. It's been a crazy uh, past eight days for college football. USC and UCLA have dipped on the Pac-12 and are joining the big. So we're just going to go into a little bit of what got us here and then where we go from here. So, I mean, first things first, Pac-12 has been horribly mismanaged over the past decade. Larry Scott was probably one of the worst conference commissioners over the, I mean, in recent memory, at least. Off the top of my head, just a few things that he did that kind of fucked the Pac-12. He locked him into a 12-year TV agreement that is set to expire in 2024, which puts it at the same time as the big in the SEC instead of doing it a couple years before. So they didn't really have any wiggle room to get out of things. And, I mean, the name of the game right now is TV deals. So they're losing money. I mean, simple. it's as simple as that. They're not making enough money to keep those programs in line, especially when USC is the main revenue stream for the whole conference. So just a whole lot of stuff going on there. Another, I mean, kind of on a similar vein, ESPN at one point offered to take on distribution of the Pac-12 network and partner with them, and he turned them down, which I don't know what he was thinking at the time, but, I mean, definitely with hindsight, it's not a great, not a great call on his part. And then, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching Pac-12 football after dark, and I can't recall one day in my life where I, I turned on the Pac-12 network. Oh, yeah, Pac-12 after dark. I had a lot great. of free time on my hands to, to watch and wager, essentially, on some Pac-12 after dark games. Well, yeah. for the large, for large swaths of the Midwest, the Pac-12 network is literally inaccessible. I mean, there is no cable package alive that gets you access to the Pac-12 network out here. Yeah. I mean, I kind of what Jake said, is, what you said as well, Jake, I've never turned on the Pac-12 network in my life. No. The only Pac-12 game I ever watched was if it was on ESPN for whatever reason. So that was a huge, bl- that was a huge blunder on Larry Scott's part. I mean, and, a lot of the, the Friday night games took place. Um, with Pac-12 games going on too, and it, it's just a terrible time slot. If we're being honest, like, yeah, I'm from Texas, and Friday Night Lights are taken incredibly serious here. So pretty much the only ever opportunity I have to watch a 53 to 47 Washington State Cal game is if we have a bye week. <laughs> which I mean sounds fun. Like 50, a 53 to 47 yeah. game sounds like a blast to watch. Which that's what I'm saying is like. No, this it's not an opportunity for for people to see it like it's we we get crazy with those games whenever uh, the large portion of the eastern con or eastern time zone is asleep but uh, larry scott just was terrible and locked them into all these horrible time slots and uh didn't give a lot of the great college athletes a lot of time to get recognized and that's why you have like incredible talent that it ends up getting underdrafted in the NFL too, because none of these people are watching the games because they're Friday night when everyone's asleep. Either it, either it gets underdrafted by being in a Pac-12 school, or it just they straight up leave the Pac-12 bef- uh, and commit somewhere in the SEC or the Big Ten. 
Yeah. Like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about some of the flight going on from the West Coast and they're getting pretty well known for being able to pump out a lot of skill players and a lot of these skill players are going east. So part of that is the fact that they're not going to be able to get seen. So, I mean, it's a great product. Like we said, I mean, there's there's those high scoring games that the Pac-12 after dark, it's a meme at this point, but you don't see it because we can't, we literally cannot see it. So, I mean, it's it gets to a point of what are you going to do? I mean, if you're going to keep the Pac-12 as a regional network and you're going to take ownership of it, you got to do a little bit more on your end to make it good and make it accessible for people. And I mean, no, and and sorry to cut you off, but no, I do think the thing that signed the Pac-12's death warrant, um, and Pat Forty wrote a good article about this in Yahoo Sports earlier this week, was not expanding the playoff. They were they were the comp they were the conference that held up the expansion of the college football playoff to twelve teams. Now, the main sticking point was that it was the six highest ranked conference champions would get automatic bids. Not necessarily each conference champion would get an automatic or the six highest like ranked. I forgot how they were it, but basically either way, the Pac-12 would have been guaranteed a bid under the expanded system. Utah would have made the college football playoff this year. Yeah. So uh, it was, like you said, it was the six highest ranked conference winners out of FBS. And if I remember correctly, they wanted the power five to each get a bid automatically. And then right, like the they wanted, right. They wanted each conference champion, but under that system, most years, that's going to include your conference champion anyway, right? Utah would have made it. Uh, most years, Oregon or, you know, Washington would have would have made it under the under this proposed system. So, by not doing that, you know, you basically guaranteed the continued freeze out of of the Pac-12 champion in the college football playoff. And yeah, I understand the proposal from the perspective of well, if we do that, then it's just going to be heavily Big Ten and SEC. But what do you have, you know, what do you have now? You have two SEC teams in every, in every single college football playoff. So what is it, you know, what are you, what are you losing by, by not doing this? So I do think that's, that was the final nail in the coffin. Um, I do think, I do think from a big 10 fans perspective, I do think the Alliance was a way for the big 10 to, to poach potential future members. Um, I do not think the Alliance was made in good faith on the big 10's part. Um, not that I'm saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I just don't think that – I just don't think the Pac-12 has been – like you brought up all the ways they've been improperly managed. So it's just been – it's been a shit show, um, and, and it's finally coming home to roost because the NCAA can't or won't uh, legislate realignment or media deals or figure out a way to – uh, kind of limit the power that the SEC and Big Ten have over over the wider college football landscape. So, yeah, and I don't know what the NCAA can do to legislate that stuff. And I mean, realistically, conferences have been realigning ever since college football was a thing. Like, you know, there were conferences back in the early teens and twenties that had thirty teams in it. So, the fact that there is realignment is nothing new. What's new is just the loss of regionality to it which is what happened with usc and ucla this started last year with oklahoma and texas leaving the big 12 to go to the sec and you know that kind of kick-started potentially just a big arms race going on between these two conferences and like i think i think we know where it all is going to end up but 
I do think that this was avoidable on the Pac-12's part. It absolutely was. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you. You know, I, there were, there's been a lot of hand-wringing from a lot of the college football beat writers about what this means for the spirit of the sport and what this means for the future. Um, Josh Pate, uh, who, who hosts Late Kick, uh, and brought this up that, you know, that, that people need to vote with their wallets and it's going to be a diminished product. I don't necessarily disagree that it's going to be a diminished product, right? It, you got to think about, you got to think about why these sports were created and what they became, right? College football was created because more people than ever were going to college and they wanted shit to do in their free time. So they got together and they started, and they started just tossing a rugby ball around and then, and it just evolved, right? It's no longer, it hasn't been a club for, it hasn't been like an official club where like a bunch of guy where a guy can just like walk onto the team and start practicing. It, it's been a product now for a good 65 years. And now in, I think people are only recognizing it because the players are getting somewhat paid, Right. It's it's a cap it's it's capital right capital wants to monopolize capital wants to capital wants to collude okay the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be the only two games in town there's still going to be the regional conferences I truly do believe that I don't I think the Big Twelve I think the SEC I think the Pac twelve Big Twelve partnership whatever they're doing I think it's smoke and mirrors I think it's a panic move I do think those schools will end up pulling back towards the Pac twelve center of gravity. I do believe Washington and Oregon are going to be joining the Big Ten. But, you know, it's just, this is what it is. It's a product and it's capital, right? In a capitalist system, it all ends in monopoly. Yeah. Right. I don't know how many times you have to play the fucking board game to get it, but. Yeah, it's kind of gone from monopoly to risk at this point with the way, with the way moves are shaking out. And, you know, and I think a lot of the hand wringing too, I don't necessarily agree that it's going to be a diminished product. If anything, we're going to see better games because USC is going to play Ohio State. Oh, yeah. And plus, they're just going to get better recruits overall. I mean, I don't know how to Lincoln Riley should feel about this because I don't think he knew going into USC that this was going to happen. There's no way he knew. Yeah, he he wasn't going to leave, you know, Oklahoma and potentially go to the SEC to go to USC and go to the Big Ten. Man's been in three different conferences and hasn't played a single game yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and, And I just think it, kind of levels the playing field overall yeah i completely agree and people people are going to say and people have been saying already that you know it's just going to turn into an nfl minor league and i hate to break it that's what it has yeah yeah it's it's been that way for yeah people tune into the draft every year yeah so i mean and these and you know going back touching on the nil deal a bit like even though that's not what you know that's not what today was supposed to be about but like this stuff has been going on under under wraps for oh, yeah. as and long was, as it's been a product like that. Like if yeah. you don't think players have been paid, you're kind of living in a fantasy land. The money might be a little bit different now. Not going to deny that, but we don't know. It's just but, over the table. Yeah, right. it's it's all out there. And even then it's not completely over the table because nobody right. knows like, you know, odds are that Nico is the kid that got $8 million to go to Tennessee, but nobody knows that for sure because – it's not it's, disclosed. Yeah, it's not disclosed. Yeah. So even even then, this is still a little bit under the table. But you know, circling back to the Pac-12, like the current commissioner, 
the George Klyovov. I don't know if that's how his name is pronounced, but I mean, I don't know what he could have done in this past year. I mean, he, I think, uh, I think Larry Scott was fired in January of 2021 or it might've been. Yeah. And that Klyovov was hired in like June of 2021. So it's, he had a year to get this stuff figured out. And from what I've, from the little bit of research that I did about it, he's been doing a good job at that. You know, he's, he's dealt a terrible hand. Like, yeah. Nothing. He absolutely has been dealt a terrible hand, but he's making the most of what he got. If anything, you can blame him for maybe just not being able to read the room, you know, because it seems like he, it seems like he and everybody got just completely blindsided by this. And if you're the commissioner of a major college conference, you probably should know what's going on. At least have a little bit better of an idea. So I don't know if that's just something where he just didn't have the relationships yet or anything like that, but it's something that's got to be taken into consideration, even if the move isn't necessarily his fault. I mean, the culture is very real whenever it comes to like West coast versus um, sec and big 10. And I think that the writing was on the wall with, UCLA and USC now that financial issues are in such a a bigger deal with NIL being over the table. They saw it with the TV deal and they wanted to get ahead of the curve after OU and Texas made the move and, and they jumped ship and now PAC 12 claiming that they're trying to add more. It's like the Randy Marsh. I didn't hear no bell ring. Like they just (laughs) like, like, no, we can, we can fix this. I promise. Like we're, we're still very much a power five school. (laughs) Yeah. But like, go ahead. I just don't, I just don't believe that. I don't believe it, it happened as quickly as, as we found out about it. Right. Because I just think that I do think there were probably a lot of closed doors conversations between between presidents of the Big Ten and the USC and UCLA presidents. And I brought this up on on my podcast, the Bacon Warrior podcast, uh, it, that even though USC and UCLA don't geographically make sense, if you just looked at their resumes, ignoring where they're located, they're perfect Big Ten. They're perfect Big Ten members. They're members of the American Association of Universities. They're top-tier research institutions. They're, they're hit, they have historic athletic programs. I mean, I could be describing USC or Michigan, and you wouldn't know. They operate so, the same way. Like they, they do. Matter of blind resumes. Right. So, I, you know, I don't think that this is – I don't think it's as shocking a move as, like, as the Big Ten picking up, like, Boise State. So, I just don't – you know, I, I do think USC UCLA makes a lot of sense, and I don't think the Big Ten is done because I don't think the SEC is done. There's no way that neither of them are done, and you know, cultural cultural fit wise, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, different regions play ball differently. Like SEC ball is a thing, Big Ten ball is a thing, Pac-12 ball is a thing, Big 12 ball is a thing. I mean, it's just it is different. So it's going to be. I think it's going to be really interesting and really cool to see some of that West Coast ball being introduced into the big 10 where offense is optional sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out Penn state and Illinois for proving that last year. That was one of the best worst games I've ever watched in my life. So fun. So much fucking fun. So much. (laughs) It was peak big 10 football. I loved it, but I also wanted to to turn away every single chance I got. So, I mean, you know, kind of going with the, the melding of football culture, it's going to be tough for SC and UCLA to play these road games. Like even if they do somehow get some kind of deal where they can 
they're not going to play road games at the end of the year, which is not going to happen. They don't have the kind of pull to to negotiate that. Like they're still going to do a lot of traveling. Like they're still going to have to deal with a big big noon kickoff in West Lafayette at some point. Oh and yeah, I don't know well, if they're I don't know if they're built to handle that. Well, going back to the stylistic thing, I think that's what I'm most sad about. All the the craziness with the realignment is, I I love that. Uh, like whenever the NFL changes, everyone adapts with it. Like whenever there's the passing revolution, teams tend to pick up on the trend and it's a copycat league. Whereas in college, you only really play the teams in your region. And so whenever there's a style, you don't feel the necessary need to change. And like, that's why the bowl games are so much fun because it's like you get like uh, an air raid offense going against whatever uh, a Northwestern team that could, that like thrives on, on making you punt every single down and winning 10 to three. And now that's going to be lost. And that's going to kind of be sad for me because I have that, that dumb college fan brain in me where I'm like, Oh, it's, it's 11 o'clock in Evanston. There's only going to be under 20 points scored. And um, with that being lost, like it's probably going to lead to better football because more teams are going to know more about, each other which i'm excited about but at the same time it's like i kind of have that sense of cultural loss and i think like that's where like the i guess old man takes are coming from during this time uh and a part of me is like longs for that nostalgia but at the same time i i i don't blame sc or ucla whatsoever for wanting to make more money and yeah i mean at at the end of the day the money talks like that's just really unfortunate for the way things are going to work. Like, you know, especially both of those two schools specifically, they've got that LA TV market, which I'm sure was more enticing to the big 10 than the resumes as much as we would like to believe it was the resumes. I mean, the big 12, the big 10 and the SEC are going to make over a billion dollars in these next TV deals each. Oh yeah. These schools are going to make so much money and it's going to get way bigger for the big 10 at least because they brought those two programs in. I mean, they're going to definitely take that into consideration. But, I mean, even even looking past the money, like it's going to – like Gray said earlier, it's going to be great for recruiting. Like these teams mm-hmm. like Northwestern, these teams like Iowa and Wisconsin, they're going to be able to go out west. They're actually going to be able to do some recruiting out there. And USC and UCLA are going to be able to come to the Midwest and maybe actually get some offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Yeah. Which has always been Lincoln Riley's biggest – the bane of his existence has been in the trenches well, – whether it was at Oklahoma or whether it's here as of right now looking at the roster. Well, just like going back to the recruiting for SC and UCLA in the future, like whenever Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly or like, I don't know how long he's going to be at UCLA, (laughs) uh, but whoever is coaching on the West Coast um, is sitting in that living room in whatever Nebraska with the O-linemen, like all these corn-fed farm boys that are the hog mollies and the foundation of offensive lines that he's going to be able to say to the parents. Now you like your son can come over, have a great life on the West coast and, and have a college experience, but we're going to be playing big 10 games close to home. So you can, you can road trip to, to Indiana or Illinois because those are still close. And at the same time, he'll still get to have training in beautiful, sunny Southern California. And that's going to be a, a powerful recruiting pitch as opposed to, saying you're going to play on the West Coast the entire time and just get to watch your son on TV instead. And so now the teams that, like, we, whenever you think USC, you think of 
like the the pretty boy quarterback and then the wide receivers like like Juju or or uh, Drake London and they're gonna have the the big boys now from the Midwest now they can play closer to home. Plus, they can they can also just promise that they're going to be in a better conference than the Pac-12. And yeah. it, you know, it's like, Hard hey, even worse. if even if we won, even if we won the championship in the Pac-12, it doesn't guarantee us a spot in the playoff. If we win the Big Ten, you can bet your ass it guarantees us a spot in the playoff. That's right. Yeah. I mean, especially if the playoff does expand, which I think it's still going to do anyway. It has to, especially, I mean, with like Clemson, you know, potentially Clemson and other schools coming into the SEC and then, you know, Big Ten not being finished, you know, possibly adding Notre Dame that they're just going to beat up on each other. Like everyone says the SEC does already, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the the format of the playoff is going to be dependent on what the conference alignment looks like. Like if there ends up only being two super conferences, we may see an AFL, NFL, like, you know, OG Super Bowl type setup where they conferences have their own playoff and then the winners, yeah. the winners duke it out in the natty, which, yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. If that is if that's what happens, that's what happens. But yeah. You know. And then the the existing bowl structure would would probably remain for for everyone else. And and, you know, I, I do think and honestly, I, I had this epiphany this morning. If I'm UConn. And I'm staring at the barrel of of my football program just being ethered. I'm going to these schools who are going to get left in the dust by these by the ACC and go, hey, we're a non. Hey, we could restart the Big East, get that nostalgia push, and and we'll have a conference home where we could get bowl time. Right. I would go to UNC. I would go to Duke. I would go to Wake Forest and, and NC State. And, Villanova and I would go, all up, go D1. <laughs> right. So that that's what I would. I think that's how I would. That's the, if I was UConn, I, that's how I would approach it. I think I think that's going to be I think that's going to be kind of the next those, the two big dominoes next to follow are Notre Dame and Clemson. What they decide to do. um in, in this in this realignment cycle is going to is going to determine is going to determine what happens to the rest of the FBS. Um, I I do believe that the ACC's current TV deal um, goes until 2028 or 2030. 2036. 2036. So I do. Um, <laughs> oh man. You know I I do think that I you know if. If Clemson decides to bite the bullet and leave early, I think all hell's going to break loose. Um, I, I don't disagree. It's so from what I've been hearing, what I've been reading, the grant of rights is incredibly vague for the ACC. It doesn't actually give a dollar amount for what a buyout would be for a team, like for for a team like Clemson to leave the ACC. So I don't know if they can. And you know, there there was a rumor coming out today about. Clemson, Virginia, North Carolina, and Florida State negotiating with the SEC and ESPN. The ACC deal for ESPN is insanely good for ESPN. Like they, yeah, no, it's no chance to get out of that. There's, yeah, and ESPN has no reason to facilitate the ACC breaking down because then they would have to just go ahead and renegotiate anyway. They have no reason to do that. But I do think that there is room for at least a third quote-unquote super conference, whether that be the Big East rising from the ashes or 
potentially the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 can expand either direction. They could go west and grab some of the schools that they've been rumored to grab, you know, Colorado, the Arizona schools, Utah, potentially Washington and Oregon, depending on what happens with them. But they could also go east. You know, they got some ACC schools that could fit in Big 12 ball. I mean, they've got Pitt that could just reinstate the backyard brawl as a conference game, which would be insanely cool. They got Louisville. They've got, you know, UVA. They've got schools that they can go to and expand that way as well. So I think if I had to pick a conference that was the most likely to expand between the Big East and the Big 12, I would go the Big 12. But yeah, I mean, no, I absolutely. That, and that makes sense with it makes sense for them to, you know, merge with the Pac 12 because they're both, you know, just high scoring games, uh, you know, not much defense. And they can both lend themselves to play late night games. So, I mean, to me, that just makes per- like a perfect match. Yeah, it's, it's honestly a good cultural fit, too. Like, yeah, no defense, all offense. Like, you know, Big 12's got a little, does a little better in the trenches. But, I mean, yeah. realistically, it's going to be a lot of high score and high flying games. So, but I mean, if we're looking at it, though, nothing is going to happen until the big domino falls. And that's Notre Dame. Now, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Jake's a Notre Dame fan. So, you know, all the talk that we hear about Notre Dame not being as important as they think they are is sounding pretty amusing right now. You know, it's 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 weird because the entire college football world is waiting to see what the Irish do. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not they can stay independent. Personally, I think they could, but I don't know if it's a, I don't know if they should, you know, if, if a third conference forms, if a big 12 expands, they have a pretty solid window to stay independent if they wanted to, because there's going to be that counterweight to kind of help from the big 12, the big 10 and the sec expanding too much and potentially pushing Notre Dame out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they, I don't think either school would really do that or either conference would really do that because like if the sec tried to shut Notre Dame out of the playoff, then that's just going to push them into the big 10. So I think Notre Dame does have a lot of leverage in trying to figure out what they want to do. But the fact of the matter is that it comes down to money. Notre Dame's deal with NBC, it's a sweetheart deal on behalf of Notre Dame. They're only getting $15 million a year out of NBC for their coverage. Rutgers yeah. gets like 45 or $50 million. From what I saw with the new setup of the Big Ten, um, it's reportedly $80 million yeah. bonus for joining the Big Ten. Right. So, I mean, that's what, I mean, and, and as, and as a big 10 enthusiast, let's call myself there, there's, there's tons of incentive for Notre Dame to join the big 10, right? All your, all of your massive rivalries outside of the Navy, outside of Navy are now conference games, right? You don't have a rivalry history with NC state or Duke. You have a rivalry history with Michigan, Michigan state. USC, those can be protected conference games. Exactly. Like whenever I'm sure that you all are familiar with that beautiful son of a bitch NCAA 14, but whenever I would play on dynasty mode and you do the custom conferences, I would always personally choose to be independent because I wanted to choose all, all the games that I played against. And I, I wanted to set it up to where I played all the top 25 teams so that my rank would go up whenever I would kick somebody's ass. And uh, now 
the Big Ten has those games for you if you're Notre Dame. And you no longer have to suffer from the fans in conferences like during that one week whenever Army and Navy plays and it's conference championship week and they're still sitting at home and they say, well, they didn't win a conference championship when in reality it's just to go full Rob Manford on here, a piece of metal. Yeah. Notre Dame, I mean, that's always been the biggest thing with them. Trophy for it. Yeah. No, and Notre Dame's biggest thing has always been that national presence. Because if Notre Dame, I mean, a really good comp to what could happen if Notre Dame had joined like the Big Ten back in the 90s was Penn State. Penn State was independent. They were, you know, kind of a national brand. They joined the Big Ten and it's pretty much regional at this point. So that was the big danger of Notre Dame joining a conference in the past, especially because as a smaller private Catholic school, they didn't necessarily have what it took to, with their academic restrictions, they weren't necessarily able to get that hump and get over that hump and still play championship level football. So I think now that USC has been added to the schedule in the Big Ten, I think it just fits because they can still play. I mean, you know, it's like Spartan and it's like Jake's, you guys said, they still have all of those rivalry games. Like there's still Stanford and Boston College. Like Stanford might get added to the Big Two, honestly. Boston College, I think, is just going to kind of get left out to dry and die along with the ACC, but – they're kind of like just the clean girlfriend that won't go away. Like you have to let her down <laughs> easy. But I mean, besides the Navy game, that's pretty much covers it all. So it would make sense for the, if they do join a conference, it's going to be a big. The SEC, there's all, I mean, there's always the threat of them joining the ACC, but the academic requirements just don't fit with them. If they join the big, they've got all of those AAU schools. Every single Big Ten school is an AAU school, except for I think except- Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. They were when they joined. Yeah. Um, so and then they were, and then they were kicked out. So. But I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of speculation from I've heard a lot of, and seen a lot of speculation from Notre Dame fans that they could try to stay independent in football but join the big in the other sports, and that's not happening. That's not, not going to fly. It Kevin is. Warren's not going to let that happen. The other yeah. university presidents aren't going to let that happen. So, he only did it because they were desperate. But at the right. same time, I I do wish that college football has become such a large, larger than life entity in comparison to other sports. Like even like March Madness is well, just NCAA's cash cow. But college football is so different culturally and financially than everything else that I feel like we just need to have have it be its own entity and have like some college football czar just be in charge of it. Like we need. We just need an intervention, like with with someone or some committee in charge to kind of break it down and to where there can be separate rules, I guess. Because, like, think about, like, Vandy baseball in comparison to Vandy football. Like, we talk about Vandy football like they're the throwaway game. Like, it's right. Auburn football is easy. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah, or yelling out ace pitcher after ace pitcher in baseball, you don't want them to be taken away from a power conference. Right. Or Duke or, you know, Duke and Kansas. Right. Those are other good examples. Right. Duke and Kansas, their football programs outside of a few fluke years are just they're just they're just there, basically. They're 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 more or less innings eaters. Right. To keep up with the baseball analogy. I I do agree. Joel Klatt was on the Andy Staples show um, 
a few weeks ago and and they did bring that up. They thought, you know, they believe that the that the Power 5 conferences should be a separate should be a separate ent- entity administered by the college football playoff um instead of instead of under NCAA oversight. I think that that was before um the USC and UCLA relocation. I would be interested to see how that would change because I believe Clat want, wanted all 10 and yeah, that's just I, not gonna. That's not gonna happen now. So, you know, I I do wonder. You know, USC and UCLA really does change everything because it just it's all gonna it's all gonna lead to the SEC and Big Ten muscling everybody else. So it, that is what it is. It also just throws regionality out of the window. Now, like, yeah, now, like, it. it I mean, the SEC is still going to keep it regionally, no matter what. No matter who they add, it's going to be somewhat regional. I think they're just kind of limited by their geography too, honestly. Like, right, right. They yeah, at least had room to expand. And I mean, the SEC technically does too, but between Texas, I mean, there's Arizona and New Mexico, and then they run into Pac-12 countries. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting going forward. Notre Dame, obviously, is still the big domino, but I mean, Carolina's still out, North Carolina's still out there, Oregon's out there, Washington, Clemson, Miami, Florida State. There's so many schools that we don't know what's going to happen yet. And it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell because the ACC, who knows? The ACC may be able to stick around. Yeah. At least I for a few say, more years. I will say if the SEC does expand with those rumored teams from the ACC, then it's going to be interesting. If they bring in North Carolina, they might and have to bring Duke. Yeah, they might have to bring in Duke. I think they eventually would just for the people. Like I wish that, yeah, that they ran some sort of test uh, for, for rivals that would make teams permanent opponents where yeah, one person from one school at a bar stool, like Texas A&M or something. And then another one from Texas. And if they can go 30 minutes without hitting each other over the head with another bar stool, (laughs) it's not a real rivalry, but if, if it, if it ends up in, in a brawl, then they have to play each other every single year. You want to, <laughs> yeah. there we you want to hold on to that that cultural essence of I've been watching this team play this team for thirty years, and I want not I want nothing more than for this team to lose because hatred is what fuels college sports ultimately. Oh yeah, and, and plus that just like that UNC Duke is arguably the biggest rivalry in all of sports. It's up there. It's the, the history is much more important than any finance to me as a fan. <laughs> right. And just, you know, the, the SEC would love to add Duke specifically. Like, you know, it wouldn't matter about football. They would just love to have them in for basketball because they're <laughs> starting to get more legitimate as a basketball conference. Yep. That's definitely a big part of it, too. Those are the two revenue sports. Yeah. I mean, football is obviously dwarfing basketball in that regard. But I think if if those four schools – from the ACC did break away. I think the ACC would just kind of fold and they would, yeah. the SEC would be able to scoop Duke up without an issue really. And, and Miami. Cause I saw yeah. Miami wasn't mentioned on there. Yeah. My, that, that's kind of weird. I did read a rumor somewhere that Florida doesn't want Miami to necessarily join just because of the mm-hmm. recruiting competition. I yeah. don't know how much stock I put into that. Cause again, at the end of the day, money trumps everything. Um, yeah. Andy Staples said that Miami being a private school is kind of leaning on the academic side of it so they could potentially be a better fit for the Big Ten. That would be funny. Hmm. Oh, that's oh, another, oh. another traditional Notre Dame rival. Perfect. Yeah. Imagine those tropical colors on the 
the the snow falling in East Lansing. Have fun in that. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that's something with USC too. Like USC could have made the playoff in 2024. Yeah. If they stayed in the Pac-12. They're getting Malachi Nelson and they've already got um, oh god, why am I blanking on the dude's name? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Yeah. Yeah. But they're always going to be able to get skill talent. And maybe the brand will be able to get off-trenched talent that can help them win the, the Pac-12, and they could have had a playoff spot. Yeah. Now they're going to the big. The last I checked, they open at LSU. They finish at home against Notre Dame. And now they've got nine Big Ten games in between that. Plus, they'll, ru- they'll be playing an LSU school with Brian Kelly having full recruits in his program at that point. Yeah. So basically Notre Dame. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I just don't see it. Like I don't see LSU may or not LSU. I don't see USC making the playoff in that situation. Not until it's expanded, honestly. Because yeah. I mean, Ohio State's just going to have that locked down until it does get expanded, and they have to add two teams from the Big Ten, two teams from the SEC, two teams from the Pac-12 or Big Twelve, whatever. Do I have to remind you, gentlemen, that? That Tuck is coming, by the way. I do have to remind <laughs> I should lay it out there that Tuck is coming. Well, uh, no, I, I I do think, you know, I, I do think that nothing is nothing is etched in stone, right? Until um I don't think anything is etched in stone right now. I do think all schedules are subject to change. We saw how quickly teams were able will were able to, to schedule and reschedule games um, during the during COVID, right? I mean, LSU and or uh, BYU and Coastal Carolina, they set the game up on Tuesday. They were playing Saturday. So yeah. I do think we're going to enter – I do think especially if Notre Dame does end up joining the Big Ten, we are going to enter a more flexible period of, of Big Ten flip, of, of conference scheduling where – you know, Alabama isn't announcing that they're going to go play Pitt at Heinz Field in 2043. <laughs> All right. With that being said, we're going to wrap up here and we're going to end it with just a fun discussion about what kind of potential rivalry matchups we can have between SC and UCLA and the rest of the Big Ten. So do you guys have any on you that you you've been thinking about or any any potential rivalry trophies that we've got? Yeah, as as a as the resident Big Ten uh, fan in 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 this in this little podcast group, um, I do believe that trophies are imperative to good rivalries. Um, you know, you guys, we have the cheerleaders megaphone, of course, um, but there's also yeah the the Paul Bunyan the Paul Bunyan trophy, Paul Bunyan's axe, uh, the big pig that Iowa and Minnesota play for. Uh, the old brass platoon that Michigan State and Indiana play for. The five dollar okay. bits of broken chair. Yeah. The five dollar bits and broken chair trophy. Um one. so I do have a cup. I have one. Um I have one. It's called the um it'll be with USC and Northwestern. Okay. And it'll be the Route 66 trophy celebrating the historic highway that runs from Chicago to LA. And it'll be a um, giant golden uh, lightning McQueen. Yeah. Oh, I love it! I love it. Oh, oh no, that's a great so, one. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of that one. Yeah, I didn't know. 
I didn't know that the Route, 6, Route 66 did run all the way from Chicago to, to L.A. So that's a pretty sweet Same. connection to have there. But yeah, that's a good one. I know one that I've seen kind of a lot pop up was between USC and Michigan State, actually. And, you know, there's been a few different names popping out for the rivalry, like the Helen of Troy or the Hellenic Trophy or something like that. Uh, I like the Hellenic Trophy. I feel like Helen of Troy just kind of skews a little too much USC there. But, you know, you can make a nice uh, like a nice big horse on top, Trojan horse and everything like Trojan horse. Yeah. Spartans and the Trojans feel like that could be a could be a solid trophy rivalry. We could we could uh, we could pump Gerard Butler full of steroids. (laughs) <laughs> to get him his 306 pack back and we could pass him back and forth between the schools and he can just kind of stay there and do his we- and then he could get like really fat again during the during the time where the trophy's not in play season. Uh, but he yeah he will have to get pumped full of steroids though each time they're each time the rivalry is played so we can look buff on the sidelines i'm surprised As, i'm surprised michigan state hasn't already reached out to try to get him to be on the sidelines for you guys we did adopt. Um, we did adopt the Spartans. What is your profession? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I have one. It is between UCLA and Michigan, uh, two schools that historically um, have been pretty solid programs, um, but recently um, have kind of lived um, below expectations. Uh, the History Channel Trophy. Uh, it is a it is the um the logo uh for the pawn stars pawn shop the golden silver <laughs> okay, pawn. Yeah. thinking it was gonna be the dude from ancient aliens and each year chumley gives it out to the winning school Love that. he's gonna have to bring in an expert to determine the value of the trophy exactly <laughs> he's got a buddy <laughs> So I actually how about you guys? I actually have two for each newcoming school. Okay. Um, so for the ones for UCLA, I'll start off with because um, you, UCLA, I think basketball. So both of these are pretty basketball based. But so the first one I have is Purdue and UCLA, and it's the John Wooden Classic because John Wooden. All-time winningest basketball coach of all time. Sorry about you, Coach K. And he was a Purdue alumni, played basketball there. And the trophy has to be in the shape of a golden sock because John Wooden had one of the, quote-unquote, like old man stylistic teaching methods that the goats like Kareem or uh, Bill Walton – would disagree with at first and then they would, after winning so many basketball games came to appreciate and it's he would teach them all how to put on their socks one by one so they wouldn't get any blisters and that's what led them to being one of the greatest basketball teams ever so it's a, the john wooden classic with the golden sock i like that uh great how about you um i read the wrong outline so i'm not fully prepared <laughs> on this but uh, I will say I'm just very excited to get A&M and Texas back and that, you know, as a good rivalry and then especially just LSU and Texas. Cause like we don't really play each other off like often at all, but we hate each other. Like these two schools hate, like Texas always wants to get the one up on LSU. Really? Same for LSU and Texas. Like, okay. 
Um, Joe Burrow game. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they they really wanted to play us that COVID year, but they couldn't, you know, because of COVID. But um, thank God because we would have lost that game. So uh, I'm glad we avoided that one. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just really excited to see Texas and Oklahoma for sure come in, and then you know potentially the other schools. I would I'm perfectly fine with Clemson and um, Florida State and um, the other schools possibly joining. Uh, and I've heard rumblings that that the SEC might go west and add in like a Baylor or uh, another um, school. I I saw, I think, might have been TCU, but I don't. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I just love the idea of us expanding because it prevents uh, LSU from playing Alabama every year and. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think is going to be the realignment going forward for these conferences? I I think the Big Ten is going to add Notre Dame, Oregon, Utah, and Washington, and then the SEC is probably is probably going to grab Clemson, Miami, Florida State, and maybe UNC. But um, my main question was about you know how is it going to be aligned. Like, are they going to do divisions, pods? What oh, do y'all think works best? That's a great question I, because it sounded like pods were going to be the way to go. But yep, now yeah, I do think I do think for the Big Ten, I do think for the Big Ten, it's going to end up being pods just because it's going to be so geographically spread out that yeah. pods are going to be the only way you're going to be able to do it, especially if the playoff moves to moves to the AFL NFL structure. Um. Right, you could do a fourteen playoff with each pod winner. Um, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that yeah. is yeah. just that is just division. So, see, so yeah, the, like uh, the Big Ten North, the Big Ten South, the Big Ten East, the Big Ten West. Um, however, you divide it, um, and you know, protected crossover rivalry games. I, I really, until realignment is like officially settled. And I do think this is going to be the last like major power five conference realignment we see just because it's going to get so big and the TV money is going to be so huge and how realignment settles is going to determine, you know, what the playoff kind of changes to that whenever this realignment is quote unquote over or when the new TV deals get signed, I think that's going to be the last major realignment we see in college football for at least 20, 25 years until Mm-hmm. Until something happens that necessitates the sport either getting bigger or kind of reverting back to that that regional product, I would agree. I think pods slash divi- basically divisions are going to be the way it's going to end up being divided mm-hmm. among the conferences. Which honestly, that's probably the biggest thing I'm miffed about is because I was really looking forward to that ACC model for the schedule that they released where they have yeah. the three permanent yeah. opponents I, I like and then they cycle through the rest of the conference. That way you have those protected rivalries and then you still play the rest of the conference twice every four years. And I just don't think that's feasible with how big these conferences are going to get. I mean, plus, it, it, if you're a student going to that school, you see your school play every other school yeah. in your conference while you're in your four years. You know, like that, you can't beat that. Um, yeah. And like the SEC, as, as a former student, you don't give a fuck. You just want six home games a year <laughs> where you can wake up at 5 a.m. and get absolutely obliterated 
at a house or at a tailgate before you watch your team's game, take a nap and go to the bars. You know, yeah. I, I really, I think very few students are going into college going, I hope we get to play Iowa when I'm here. Well, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking, speaking of tailgating and getting obliterated, it's going to be very, very interesting how the SCUCLA uh, time zones on the West Coast, like, what's the power play with the TV deals? Like, how many games are they going to get whenever it's, whatever, 10 p.m.? And uh, for the Wisconsinites, that's a lot of cheese curds and beer drinking to wait. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to get get pretty sleepy by the time you get to play SC. If it's I would imagine they would or, get – I would imagine – the new kickoff? I would imagine they would get very few local night kicks. Uh, maybe one. Yeah. Perhaps maybe one. And it, it wouldn't be a premier game like USC Ohio State. It would be like USC and huh? Unless it's like a game day game. Right, yeah, right. Those games, those games will be those games will be three thirty local. Those games will not three thirty Eastern. Those games will not be those games will not be seven PM Pacific. I, I truly don't believe that. Every yeah. every game on the West Coast needs to be like at the perfect time when the sun is setting at that Rose Bowl stadium. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean this will create a new window. I think. I think. I do think whoever ends up. I think if CBS, for example, gets that SEC, gets that Big Ten, gets the Big Ten game of the week with USC and UCLA, they might go okay. Five p.m. We're gonna do the we're gonna do the California games at five p.m. because that's what time the Rose Bowl starts. That's what time you know it's two p.m. Pacific. It's two p.m. local. Right. And, you know, it's 2 p.m. Eastern. So all the schools coming from the East Coast, you know, are kind of are kind of adjusted. But, yeah, I imagine the the 10 p.m. local kicks are going to be like USC Oregon versus USC versus USC Iowa. Right. Take USC Oregon at 10 p.m. I love those games anyway. So one more thing real quick. Um, The one thing I did see was that. The SEC has discussed not doing pods and instead doing one permanent rival and you rotate the other nine games. Yeah, I've seen the one nine model get proposed too. Yeah. I just I I just didn't like the pods idea. Like I liked the having the three permanent opponents, but I didn't like yeah. that everybody had the same three opponents. Like I like the ACC model where everybody had different three opponents. Cause like in the SEC, for example. Georgia has only played A and M like once since A and M yep. has joined the conference. LSU LSU played at Kentucky this past year for the first time since like the nineties, I think. Yeah, and that, that's crazy. That that's before Texas and Oklahoma joined, so they're going to have to do something. I also just think that there are there are way too many rivalries in the SEC that may or may not like be on the record as rivalries that I care about, like. Yeah, because if like that were the case, like we'd get the Iron Bowl every single year. But I care just as much about the LSU Alabama game as I do the Iron Bowl. Like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want that to be a rotating matchup. And, yeah, and same I, with us, because Florida has always been our permanent East opponent, and I love the fact that we play Florida every year because it's always a good game. Yeah, um, they got a lot of juggling to do. Um, yeah, you know, it's going to be something that is going to be dependent on expansion, unfortunately. So we're yeah. <laughs> Kind of all circles back to Notre Dame, but we gotta wait and figure out what the hell they're gonna do up in South Bend to figure to figure out what's gonna where we're gonna go from here. 
when when is the Big Ten Media Days? Because I know SEC Media Days is like two weeks away. I believe it is. I believe it's that first week in August. Okay, so it's the um, week after SEC. Yeah, uh, Tuesday, so, Tuesday, July twenty fourth, and Wednesday, July twenty fifth. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I I don't know if Kevin Warren's going to address any further expansion. I'm assuming he's going to address USC and UCLA. I, I right. I would be hard pressed to believe he's going to address um, any speculative expansion. I there's been reports that um, Notre Dame's uh, reported buyout from the ACC is like 150 million, and like I don't know, I I think that like conference buyouts are just going to become like funny money, right? I mean, because 150 150 million, they're going to make that back in a year. Oh, the, plus, a just, Big Ten media deal. I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten universities pitched in for that, right? And That's just to bring them nothing, in, the contracts nothing, are just leverage plays. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's n- and you can't cut out desire either because there's nothing the Catholic Church loves more than paying out <laughs> settlements. No, there's okay. one thing they love more than paying out settlements, and it's the reason they have to pay out settlements. <laughs> yeah. I wish the Pope would start kicking in some NIL money. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> well, he's got to kick it out. You know, Notre Dame scissor lift budget has to be fucking outrageous. So. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think we're going to call it for today. I uh, want to thank Jake, Gray, and Sparty Dog here for hopping on for this first episode. Hoping for many more. We'll be back next week. And please, please, please don't tweet at recruits. All don't right. tweet at recruits. Don't be responsible. Tweet them, tweet. Tweet, them, tweet them gifts that they want to come to come to their school because they love that. They love the engagement. They don't love you going, you're going to bust because you went to a different school. So treat, tweet at recruits responsibly, I think is should be the. Responsibly. I like that. Respectfully. So be responsibly at your recruits. Be respectful. Yep. Don't tell them they're going to suck because they're still like 17 and 18 year old kids. <laughs> they're just. All kids. right, guys. Well, hey, you guys have a good rest of your evening. and We will reconvene next week. All right. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Got you guys. Have a good one.